0: Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance.
1: Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast presented by PrizeFix. I'm your host, Samantha Praviti. Today, we have a very special episode because I am joined by the one and only Field Yates of ESPN, who is an NFL insider, host of Fantasy Football Now, co-host of the Fantasy Focus podcast, and regular contributor to NFL Live and Sports Center, who you can find on Twitter at Field Yates. Field, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. It's great to be on. It's been a while since we connected, and the last time uh, that we did. I think we were both at different phases of our life. I believe you're living in a different location now. So a lot has changed, but our passion for fantasy football has not. So it's great to have the opportunity to catch up
1: yeah, I think the last time like we ran into each other, I was coming from Georgetown Cupcake very, very random uh, at your your live show. so super super yep. cool that we get to uh, talk fantasy football. how is how's your season been going? I'm sure you're in like a million leagues, but yeah,
0: too many leagues to count. The good news is so I would say by week three in previous years there have been some seasons where you felt like all right, no matter <laughs> what has happened, I don't know that I can dig myself out of this hole. I don't know that I have a single team yet that I can't dig myself out of a hole in, and, and fortunately, there are a few that are doing okay. And one thing I always tell myself is that while this is what we do and it's what we're super passionate about, and it is in some ways what most people know me or us for—fantasy football—is that I try to refuse to let the fortunes of my team dictate my sort of mental state day to day during the football season because. A, it's a long season, and B, there's so much out of our control. But there, it's it, it, that being said, it's always nice when some of your teams are doing well. So uh, there are a couple of squads that I'm proud of thus far.
1: Yeah, I mean, I always tell people my first season playing fantasy, I literally went 0 five, and it was like it was. I was so discouraged. I just wanted to stop playing, and I. It was just one of those unlucky things where I just kept yeah. losing by like two points or something like that. Made some trades leveled up my team and ended up winning the championship. So I always tell people it's always possible. And it's certainly possible if you can target some guys that are sleepers, guys that, you know, can definitely return on value right now. So I would love to just jump right in and hear um, some of your sleepers at each position. I guess we can start at quarterback. Um, Who are you looking at as maybe a buy low either for this week or season long?
0: Yeah, so... All right, so there are a few quarterbacks that have kind of stumbled out of the gates relative to expectations, but I do think there's so much depth in this year's quarterback group that there are a few names that aren't starters right now in 10-team leagues by most ranking forecasts, and I think are totally suitable as 10-team league starting quarterbacks. The most obvious one, I think, is now Kirk Cousins, who's got 918 passing yards, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions through three games. He has completed 74% of his passes, the Vikings could easily be three and zero, although in the NFL, or I guess really in life, what's the old expression? Uh, close only counts in horseshoes <laughs> and hand grenades. Uh, I think that in you know the, the as much as the Vikings could be three and zero, they're one and two. But Cousins has been so good for them, and if you're looking at a quarterback's ability to succeed consistently, having great pass catchers certainly helps. He's got one of the best wide receiver duos in the NFL. He's got a running game that he can complement passing game with. So I think Kirk Cousins is one name to know. I also think that Taylor Heineke is one of those, like it may not necessarily be pretty, but it may get the job done. And this Washington football team offense has been a little bit up and down so far this year. It's their defense though. That's been so disappointing, but that's helped the fantasy value is that they can't grind out wins at least right now, 16 to 13, which some thought they had the best defense, at least on paper coming into the season or one of the best defenses there were, they are nowhere near, top of any defensive metrics. So Heineke is another quarterback that I think is, is a great daily consideration where you, you, know, you really are committed to just one week. But season long, I think there's some value for Heineke as well, who obviously is a good runner on top of being you know a thrower that's not afraid. That much is for sure. He's not Tom Brady with his accuracy, but he's not afraid. Um, running back, I think, is where things get interesting, though. Because running back, there are so few sleepers, Because there are so few stars, right? I mean, we were having a conversation on our show earlier today about Miles Sanders. And people who watch the game on Monday night are probably thinking to themselves, why would I want to start Miles Sanders? He's had 8.5 points last night, 5.9 the week before. Well, then you start to go through your running back rankings, and you're like, oh, my God. Like, it's hard to find 15 that are guaranteed to be better than Miles Sanders on a given week. So what I'm going to do is go not necessarily off the radar, but a couple of names who I think have potential for improving value. I still think Javante Williams for the Denver Broncos is a name we'll need to be more mindful of. If you look at the snap share between he and Melvin Gordon, it's almost a 50, 50 snap share. They are playing just as much as each other. They're playing similar roles and Melvin Gordon has had the best highlight play for the Broncos in terms of the running game this season, 71 yard run in week one. But Javante found the end zone this past weekend. I think there's a chance, not a great chance, but a chance his role just grows and grows and grows by the week. In New England, we saw James White go down. He has a hip issue that's is going to cost him some period of time. The Patriots in the preseason had a, a guy who, you know, I coined the preseason MVP and Ramon J. Stevenson, who was active in week one and then has quickly found himself back on the bench for weeks two and three he's a talented player, and I think along those lines, he has a chance to be one of the backs in the Patriots roster that can be on the field when they're running or throwing, because right now when they have Damian Harris on the field, it seems so skewed towards throwing the football so, so much. And then, not a sleeper at all, but a buy low, because he has not been great so far this year, is Jonathan Taylor, who super talented. At the time of this conversation, the Colts are currently looking for a partner for Marlon Mack in a trade. It only underscores what we already knew, which is that it's the Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines show. So I think that Jonathan Taylor has a chance to be a very, very productive back the rest of the way. It wouldn't surprise me if he finds his way up over a 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns for the remaining 13 games of the season. Um, I'll be a little quicker on wide receivers and tight ends. We talked about the Broncos once earlier. Let's talk about him again though. Tim Patrick, who for now should be the number two wideout opposite of Cortland Sutton until Jerry Judy returns. KJ Hamler's out for the year in three games this year. If you play in PPR scoring, Tim Patrick in week one, touchdown. Week two, touchdown. Week three, five catches, 98 yards. So up over 10 fantasy points in each of the three games for the Broncos so far. And then you know, we saw more of Tyler Conklin. That's a tight end that I think has a chance. Now, with tight ends, as you know really well, um, there's like four that you can actually count on. And then the rest of them are just sort of hoping for
1: the best. And that so looks smaller constantly, I feel like.
0: <laughs> it's amazing, right? Like, we need to build a statue of Travis Kelsey outside of every person who plays fantasy football's home. Like, just building one outside of Arrowhead Stadium is not enough. Like I want one outside of my home. I want one outside of my neighbor's home because I know he plays fantasy and has Travis Kelsey as well. Uh, We deserve to have one of those everywhere. Uh, But Tyler Conklin played a bunch more stats for Minnesota. Really good athlete. No Herb Smith for this season. So uh, I think there's a chance, a chance, maybe a small one that Tyler Conklin will be a useful tight end the rest of the way.
1: Awesome. I feel so vindicated because a lot of the sleepers that you have, I have too. um, for Conklin, do you have any concern like with KJ Osborne doing really well in week two? And it seems like they kind of just like flopped, flipped roles and Osborne didn't see many targets and Conklin did. Do you think it's just going to be kind of unpredictable who that number three option is going to be in that offense?
0: My confidence has already dropped like 20% since I finished my answer on Tyler Conklin because you're <laughs> absolutely right. I mean, what did we see in weeks one and two to suggest that Tyler Conklin is going to be a consistent fantasy player? So in tight end, you're, it's just so hard to find. It's yeah. just so, so hard to find players that are actually sleepers. You know, my, my best bet is almost always to follow the money. Guys like Austin Hooper, John o. Smith, Hunter Henry, who got paid a ton of money, you're thinking to yourself, your team has to invest and use you a bunch. Um, That logic does not always work, but when you're trying to find guys who could be useful at tight ends, like it's hard. I mean, it's, there was a a week ago when people were doubting whether George Kittle was a must start because of his slow start to the season. I mean, it's, it is, again, thank you, Travis Kelsey. Thank you, Darren Waller. Uh, Even TJ Hawkinson was held to just one catch this past week. So the most difficult position in fantasy football to find a consistent star is by far tight end.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely yucky. I want to say that I took Travis Kelsey number six overall in one draft. I reached, I know. I don't care because no. I'm now three and oh in that league. <laughs> and I don't think you reached I, at all. I think I I really liked the roster build. I went like Kelsey, and then Mixon, and then three receivers in a row. And I ended up getting DJ Moore in the fifth round, which I think is the best steal of the draft. So yeah, I think, sounds like it. You, you know, your rosters just look kind of funky because it looks like you don't really have like a, a top guy. And especially this year, it seemed like you really wanted one of those top running backs. But once those five guys were off the board, it just felt like, Uh, Well, like I could go Devontae Adams or I could go Travis Kelsey and just wanted to try it out. And I've been happy with the results so far.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll flip this on you. Knowing what we know now through three weeks and factoring in injuries like Christian McCaffrey, who as of right now is going to miss some period of time. Dalvin Cook could play in week four, but he might not. If you were to and if I put you on the spot, you can just throw it right back to me. But if you were to do a mock draft right now or just a redraft, who would you if I gave you? I said, hey, first pick in the draft goes to you. Who do, who would you take? Like just rest of this season, rest Derrick Henry, season. Delvin cook.
1: I think Dalvin cook. I think Delvin cook will be okay. Uh, maybe Derrick Henry, just because I feel like he has such a crazy good floor and now we yeah. are seeing him do it all. He's always gotten that rap as the guy that's only good for standard or whatever. I hated that argument, by the way. There are people that are just like, oh, I'm not drafting him in PPR. And I'm like, that's your loss, man. And Thank now you. I'll we're... draft him instead. <laughs> and uh now we are actually seeing him catch passes as well. So um probably Derek Henry with everything uh, with the injuries as they are, though I do think that Cook and CMC will be okay longer term. It was it was very scary on Thursday night, obviously, but yeah. I don't think that they think it's going to be a super long-term thing given that right. it was grade one and they didn't put him on IR. So probably looking at two weeks, I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's fair. It's totally fair. And I, I I think it's probably some combination of Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Travis Kelsey. And I could talk myself into Travis Kelsey. Like he, you know, is, is, is amazing. And Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Travis, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, all awesome. Henry was a dud in week one. Kamara was a dud in week two. Cook didn't play in week three. CMC is going to miss some time here. Like, if you told me the best player for the rest of the year, the most valuable is Travis Kelsey, I'd tell you, I don't think you're crazy.
1: I love it. Um, of some other tight, tight end sleepers, potentially, do you have any interest in deeper leagues in guys like Dawson Knox, or Pat Fryermuth with Juju Smith-Schuster day-to-day with the rib injury and him getting his first NFL touchdown. I could see him being a tight end too, um, in certain situations. And then Dawson Knox is in that really high powered bills offense. And I, I I've been preaching Dawson Knox breakout season for a while. So I am hoping that that is what we're seeing, but, and I, I, liked what I saw from Josh Allen in week three. Obviously we were all a little bit concerned um, after the first couple of weeks. So uh, do you have any interest in either of those guys?
0: It's kind of an exposure thing for Dawson Knox, right? Because the idea is, hey, the Bills might score 35 points every single week. Like they could really score, I mean, they could score 40 in any given week. So, hey, if someone's more likely to find the end zone, it's him versus, I don't know, if he had a more talented player, was playing on a different offense i don't know the jaguars offense right i'd say to myself nah you know i'm not quite as interested um and on on pat i have a different name for him i call him baby gronk and here's the reason why he actually went to the same high school as my wife now my wife is a little bit older than he is but they went to the same high school and we used to go watch him play and he played high school in massachusetts or he played high school football in massachusetts which is where we're both from and of course gronk for so many years was a dominant Patriots tight end that basically any oversized player, you just called Gronk, but (laughs) Frymuth actually deserved it because he turned into, he was, I think a five star recruit. He went to that state. He obviously was a second round pick. So I think it's just a matter of time before he gets better and better and more involved. I think the big questions are right now, whether his quarterback can get him the ball, because (laughs) that offense, especially through the air, just looks all sorts. Well, I guess through the air and on the ground looks all sorts of messed up.
1: Yeah, it is the Nashi Harris show right now. It is, it appears. Yeah, yes. Ben has thrown a number of very scary picks. Um, so that does make me a little concerned, but I like him certainly long-term. Going back to what you said about um, James White and Ramondre Stevenson, do you think that he's going to be the biggest uh, sort of beneficiary of White's injury? Or do you think we'll see a little bit of guys like J.J. Taylor, for instance?
0: Yeah, so in fantasy, there's always the question that we have when a player gets hurt is there's sort of two avenues. One is, I guess there's three avenues. One is, hey, that player sits, somebody else plays, and basically takes over that role. An example would be Dalvin Cook sits. Alexander Madison has 32 total touches in week three. He was incredible. That's option one. The Patriots don't have an option one for James White. They don't have another pass catcher like him on the board, on the roster. Option two is, hey, it's a few different players that pick up the role. And as a result of it being multiple players, there's not real standalone value. We've seen this when other running backs have gotten hurt and the team has just turned to a committee. Mm. Maybe that would be the case if something happened to Derrick Henry, God forbid. But I don't feel like there's a one-for-one beneficiary in Tennessee. The third thing is that the people who benefit the most aren't actually the replacement for that player. And so I kind of wonder if what's happening, what's going what's to happen with the Patriots offense at some point is if they ultimately realize they have to change their stripes a little bit. They are probably not good enough to win a ton of games 20 to 17. I mean, how many teams in the NFL can consistently hold an opponent to 17 or so points? The answer is not many but the Patriots probably have to open things up a little bit when they have Damian Harris on the field teams. know the running. I mean, he's a very, very talented runner, but when you're one dimensional, that just makes the job so much easier on defensive coordinators and defensive players. So my thinking has been, they got to open things up a little bit because they have matchups, including, I don't know if you heard, but they're playing uh, the bucks on Sunday. Um, and Tom Brady is coming back to New England for the first time. Um, Very exciting
1: maybe, revenge game.
0: Yeah, maybe the only time, by the way. I mean, he's 44. I shouldn't count him out, but, I mean, they don't play again in Foxborough for, what, eight years. So I would think, yeah, this is the only time he's going to play uh, unless he changes teams. But we'll talk about that on a different show if that ever happens. Uh, <laughs> but my thinking is just that they're going to have to change their ways, a little but they're going to have to open things up. And as a matter – as a result of that, they're going to have to throw it more. And in terms of pass catchers, that I think I trust more on that roster, trust most, you know, there's there's four guys they paid this offseason. Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, Nelson Aguilar, and Kendrick Bourne. So Ramondre is a sleeper for me for the rest of the season, but I have to see it a little bit before I really invest in it heavily.
1: Fair enough. Yeah. I'm just not sure how this, how this backfield's going to shake out. It's true. They don't have, most teams don't have a James White on their team at yeah. all. So totally. it is obviously very, very difficult to replace a guy like that. Speaking of re- running back injuries, I'd like to just get your take. How much of a person's fab w- would you suggest they spend on Chubba Hubbard this week?
0: I'm thinking so. This is actually a question that we was posed to us on our show earlier today. So I have an answer that's fresh on my mind. I said about thirty percent. Now, every exactly lead... what
1: I said, actually. Yeah. So. Okay.
0: Um, I was I was gonna say great minds think alike. More <laughs> like your my average mind on this one <laughs> instance. Not like you're a great mind. What I think is the, all the usual caveats apply, right? Depends on the league size, depends on who you have on your roster, depends on how your record is, all those things, right? So, but that that applies to almost every conversation in fantasy. What you have, though, is the potential for maybe three weeks, maybe Mm -hmm. five, maybe seven. And unfortunately, we have a recency bias in fantasy sports. Last year, we saw Christian McCaffrey get hurt and then come back and then get hurt again. If that were to happen, like if he gets hurt again and Chubba plays really well these next two, to three weeks, then you should be saying to yourself, okay, I need to hold on to this guy because if something happens with CMC and we certainly don't want that to happen to any player, then I have a very valuable piece. So 30% seems like sort of the sweet spot for me. Some people are you – know, the first week they spend all the money they have available – Or they wait. They say, hey, I'm not going to spend a penny until week eight because there's so much fool's gold early on in the season. So 30% seems like a sweet spot. Um, Last week's a good testament to this, though, is that the reason why Hubbard's valuable is prior to Sunday, or maybe even Friday, when it felt like Dalvin Cook's status became much more up in the air, Mm -hmm. there wasn't a single running back last week that I was like, got to do it. Like last week, the top running back guy was was Tony Pollard, who's a – Certainly a very talented player, but he plays a third of the Cowboys' snaps. He's number two on his own team. So these opportunities to land a starting running back don't come all that often.
1: No, totally, totally agree. It's just it is a little tricky because obviously people, a lot of people, spent up to one hundred percent of their fab on a guy named Elijah Mitchell. <laughs> I don't know where you where you stood on that one, but certainly yeah, I was going uh, to spend big, yeah, there, not, not there, that big, but big. There should be uh, obviously a good balance. Next up here on the Fantasy Flex is our Elite Entries segment, where we will dive into the Prize Picks app to build some entries. Today, we are going to look at Thursday night plays for Week Four on Prize Picks as the 0-3 Jaguars go on the road to take on the 2-1 Bengals in another Thursday night thriller. Thursday night football is back, folks. So we got. Davis Mills versus Sam Darnold last week, and we get another barn burner. So let's just jump right into it. The first play that I like is Trevor Lawrence under 246 and a half passing yards. Lawrence has been one of the more disappointing storylines this season for fantasy purposes, though. I will know. I don't think that's totally his fault. I think urban meyer is more to blame than lawrence is it just seems like he needs a little bit more refinement but anyway he threw for 332 yards in the first week against houston's jv defense but just 118 and 210 yards against denver and arizona respectively he has thrown at least two picks in each of the first three games too and gets the Bengals on a short week this week whose pass rush has actually looked really good. Like last week, I wasn't sure if it was just the Steelers offensive line that looked bad, but I think give credit where credit is due. The Bengals are actually now tied for fourth in sacks per game. Um, 246 yards just feels like too many in a game that I and Vegas expect to be pretty low scoring with a point total of 45 and a half. So give me the under on Trevor Lawrence's passing yards. The next one that I like is Joe Mixon over 83 and a half rushing yards. It is Finally, Joe Mixon season, folks, and I am here for it. Mixon is finally healthy and the unrivaled Belkow running back in this offense with Gio Bernard in Tampa. So far, he has 67 of the Bengals' 80 attempts all year on the ground for 286 yards and a touchdown, with backup Samaje P. Ryan seeing the only other running back attempts um, for six carries and 21 yards. So, Suffice it to say that P. Ryan is not a factor right now. The Jaguars are pretty middle of the road against the run, though. I actually think they're probably a little worse. And this is just more of a symptom of how bad they are against receivers. I like Mixon to smash the over here. The last one that I like is Tyler Boyd over 56 and a half receiving yards. It's not looking good for T Higgins, who is banged up with a shoulder injury for this game on the short week, which will mean Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase will get the majority of the targets. Of course, if Higgins does play, I would probably go under here. These lines will probably change, though, if Higgins does play. But Boyd had a big game in week three, caught... Four of six targets for 36 yards and a touchdown while Higgins was sidelined against a Steelers secondary that is much, much tougher than Jacksonville's. I expect Chase will be the alpha here, but I think there's going to be plenty of passing yards to go around. So give me the over on 56 receiving yards for Boyd. All right, that is our elite entry for Thursday Night Football going with Trevor Lawrence under 246.5 passing yards, Joe Mixon over 83.5 rushing yards, and Tyler Boyd over 56.5 receiving yards. And just to note, guys, last week we got... I believe three out of four correct. So let's keep the hot streak going. As a reminder, you can mix and match fantasy points and player props to make your lineup super spicy. Also, PrizePix markets move, so you will want to be nimble to lock in the best numbers. If you haven't created a PrizePix account yet, please check out the link in our episode description because they will match your first deposit up to $100. Just click the link in our episode description or visit prizepix.com and use promo code ACTION10. All right, let us just keep it moving here on our sleepers episode with Field Yates. Some receivers that I've been looking at in terms of maybe your deeper sleepers, guys like Kadarius Tony, Rashad Bateman, Josh Gordon. Any interest in any of those guys? Gordon getting signed with the Chiefs. Kadarius Tony, obviously having maybe a rocky preseason, but now looking like he has opportunity or possibly opportunity if Shepard misses time. And then Bateman, obviously eligible to come back from IR this week. So um, he's a guy that I'm maybe eyeing on waivers as a stash, um, especially with Marquise Brown's three terrible drops in the first half of last game.
0: I like the first two, two rookies more. So Rashad Bateman and, and also Kadarius Toney, because those teams probably need them more than the Chiefs need Josh Gordon. Uh, Kadarius Toney was so talented at Florida. What the Giants need to find a way to do is maximize some touches here for Kadarius Tony. which I am speaking generally, I don't like drop the hammer on coaches as hard as uh, maybe some of my media brethren does, but that's okay. Like I, there, there's, I'm not saying they're wrong to do so. I'm also not saying that everybody is required to. Um, but the Giants have not been the most creative offense. It's time for them to find a way to get Kadarius Toney, the ball in space. Uh, My friend Mina Kimes had the analogy of him, of uh, calling him like a a participant in the game of Frogger when he was playing at Florida, right? Like he could just make anybody miss. He could run through traffic ably. Um, When you see some of that from Kadarius Toney, because the skill set I do believe is there. And Bateman, really talented player, had things going early in training camp. And while the Ravens are now two and one, Like like, you know, the narrowest, the fingernail width of margins. Uh, They need more. That narrow.
1: If uh, Marquise Brown had caught like one of those
0: passes, uh, just catch catch (laughs) the ball. Um, But I think I think you know, Bateman's a guy that I loved out of out of Minnesota. He's one of my favorite prospects in the draft. So I do hope that uh, the Ravens find a way to carve out a role basically right away for him.
1: Fair enough. I will have one more question and okay. then we'll wrap up here. Uh, the rookie quarterback class has been a little bit disappointing. Obviously had a pretty disappointing game with Justin Fields, 3.9 fantasy points last week. Yeah. It's definitely not what you want to see. And Lawrence has had a number of issues thrown two picks in every single game this year. Do you have confidence in one guy moving forward uh, as like a type of sleeper that managers can target?
0: It's still Trevor Lawrence, who was drafted as more than a sleeper. I think he was like quarterback 16 in terms of average draft position. But people are dropping um, him now. so I know. Yeah. yeah. And I think some of that's probably like your philosophy. Like if you're a two, if you want to have two quarterbacks at your roster at all times, he should absolutely be on rosters. If you are, hey, I, I have a Patrick Mahomes. I don't need a Trevor Lawrence on my bench or I have a Josh Allen or whoever it is, you know, Kyler Murray. I get that. Um, it's going to take time for all of them. Unfortunately, you know, the, 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 the great part about having Justin Herberts and Patrick Mahomes, even though Mahomes didn't start till the second season as a full-time starter, is that the NFL is in such good hands. The downside to it is that these guys who follow a much more common rookie trajectory are being considered busts like two weeks into their career. Give all of them time, I still believe, in all five of the first-round quarterbacks but Trevor Lawrence is the one that I think has the most fantasy upside still this year.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so, so much. Field, why don't you tell us about Sling TV's offer this season for NFL fans?
0: Yes. So if you're trying to find the best way to watch football, I have a suggestion for you. So go sign up for Sling TV right now. You probably are already familiar with it. If you're not, though, basically what you're looking for is a way to match convenience With the best offerings possible. And I've been a longtime subscriber of Sling, been working with them for a long time as well. And I recently moved, but prior to that, and in a different world when we were not largely constrained to where we are, I was traveling a ton. I was spending a ton of time in hotels. And what I was missing was the flexibility. Sling has the most flexibility as well. You take your Sling anywhere that you go with you, you're in a hotel thousand miles away from where you live. You're at a friend's house who doesn't have access to a game that you want to watch. All of that is available through Sling, including the local channels. So football, that's huge because you want to watch your favorite team, but you're in a different market or you 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 don't have the ability to access the local channels through some of the other services. Sling has that available for you. Sling over the past year has also redone its entire app. The user interface is, it was already user-friendly. It's that much more user-friendly Sling has been something I've leaned on for a long time. I continue to be proud to work with them. It is an essential part of my traveling sort of accessories. Uh, So Sling TV has been good to me. And I hope everybody would consider signing up for them because you want to watch Monday Night Football? You got that. You want to watch NFL Red Zone? You got that as well. You want to watch your favorite team in a local market? You've got that too.
1: I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you so, so much for joining us. That will do it for this episode of the Fantasy Flex podcast presented by Prize Fix. Field, please tell everyone where they can find you this season as if they don't already know.
0: Uh, well, if you are inclined, I try to funnel most of my content through Twitter, which is just my name, Field Yates. And we love having fun every single day, Monday through Friday on the podcast. Focus and then Fantasy Football Now as you so kindly mentioned earlier on Always a Blast on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time.
1: Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and we will see you next time on the Fantasy Flex. Peace out y'all.